Well, as Joe said, my name is Jordan. This is my wife, Christy, and we just want to say that we're very grateful uh, to be with you. We live in Waco, Texas, so we bring greetings from Antioch, Waco uh, to you. Just want to say that we love you guys very much, and that's not a cliche statement. That is, like Joe said, we've been part of Antioch Dallas for uh, many years. 20, so we just celebrated our 20th year of marriage this week. So we started going to Antioch, Dallas when we were engaged. So lots has changed uh, for us since then. Christian? I just wanted to introduce kind of our family. I don't think we sent a picture in, but that's okay. So we um, have five kids, and they are, they all, most have summer birthdays. So we have uh, Jaden is about to be 15. Duncan is 13, which he just broke his wrist first week of summer. It's a really bummer way. Has a cast all the way up here, and he's a very active boy. So if you think of sweet Duncan, you can pray for him. Um, and then Campbell is our one of our girls. She's 12. Baron is one of our boys, and he's 10. And Larkin is our baby, and she's 8. So we are in a very busy season of a lot of teenagers and emotions and hormones, which are new things that we're figuring out, but we love it. And I'm driving a 10. So that's us. If you need to find Christy, you find her in the car. So she, she's going to hold up. So my family, is we, we're in industrial rubber. So if you're wondering why we have a piece of rubber, it's because yesterday I didn't want to stress any of the pastors here out to, to find me a board uh, to ride on. And the only thing I could find to ride on was a piece of industrial rubber. So it has no significance. It just happened to be laying around. Christy's going to hold, it, uh, hold this up. We have a commission, just go, yeah, open it up and hold it up so that they can see it. This is what we're going to be talking about today. I was here about a year ago, and guess what? I said the same thing. If I ever come back, I'll probably say the same thing again. I'm not going to ever stop talking about, and listen, guys, you don't know this about me, but I didn't take art in elementary school because I took piano. And so during art, they took me to piano. So give me grace, all right? Identity, say it with me, identity, calling, assignment. Now, way back in the day, I met Savannah, I don't know how many years ago, she was a wee little um, nursing school student, and I remember she came up and was going to serve, or did serve with us, uh, I think it was a summer, and I remember being hyper-focused at that time in my life on assignment. If you're Enneagram 3, or sorry, if you're into Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 3. That means we like to do things and be active, do assignments and achieve goals. Rah, rah, rah. Now, amen. Thank you for that, Amy. But if you're only doing assignment, you're not going to have the power source to, that, that Jesus intends for us for the rest of our life. And I would say the last 20 years of, of our lives together has been learning this process and this order. So our singular aim this morning is to champion this order in our lives, that we have our identity in Jesus. And when we are walking or living in that identity, it actually gives us power. Christy's been lifting, and so she's actually the one. I've been injured this year. She's the strong one, so she's holding for us. This is, it empowers us to have authority in the areas of our calling in our assignment. I'm going to describe what those are. You can put that down, and Christy will come back up in just a minute. Give her a hand. (laughs) 
So we are all bonded together. Whether you're new here today um, or not, you've walked with God, you don't, you know, like Joe said, you're checking out who Jesus is. We're bonded together in our culture and actually in any global culture to not live life according to that order. Rather, our, our norm is to say, uh, I am Alex DeBrat, and so I am, that's my brother-in-law, by the way, uh, and so I am um, a biologist, I am a professor, and because this isn't him, but I'm saying his temptation, like all of us, would be to identify myself by my calling and my assignment. My danger in doing that is I start, I, I ebb and flow, and I go up and down, and I burn out, and I have a high day, and, the, and God did not intend for us to live on a roller coaster like that. Rather, his good intention for us as a good father is for us to know who we are, to know what he speaks, the truth that he speaks about who we are, and then to live from a place of peace and joy and fruitfulness. This order is a place of fruitfulness. This, this is the greatest place of fruitfulness. I abide or I remain in Jesus the vine. I take my uh, cue from him. I'm looking to him. That reminds me of who I am and who he has made me to be. And I'm able to walk and not frenetically, uh, not in, uh, with anxiety, but very peacefully as he opens doors for the unique grace that he puts on my life, the unique grace that he puts on your life to walk out our calling and our assignment. That's a, I'm, I'm, I'm already encouraged. So what we're, what we're talking about, again, is identity, calling, and assignment. And let's go ahead and pull up that chart so this makes a little more sense. So we're going to have a chart on, there it is. So our identity, that's, that's who you are. And that is not going to change. When we, uh, when we walk with Jesus, we receive, this is, this is amazing, we receive a new identity a new nature. We become a new creature or a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's our drive. We receive a calling. That is what we were designed to do best. That's according to the grace of God from beginning to end. And that can change somewhat. And we're going to, Christina, we're going to interview her in just a minute. And then we have, so what is, what is our assignment? Our assignment is the context or the where you live out your calling, and that probably is going to change in your life many times, and that's okay. So identity, not going to change. Our calling, it may change uh, a little bit in terms of what God's going to call us to do. And then our, our assignment, we like to say that it is seasonal. And so we receive seasonal assignments from the Lord, and that season could be short, that season could be long. Jesus is the one that directs that, and we walk that out. Um, in him. When we look at the person of Jesus, we see the same continuum. Before he ever starts his ministry, uh, in Matthew 3, at Jesus' baptism, he says, you're, uh, the Father speaks over Jesus, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. If Jesus, as fully God, fully man, if he had to receive, and it, it, that was said to him again in, in Scripture, if Jesus needs that, I would, I would have to say, that each of us in here, we need to be reminded of the love of God, of where we are seated and where we are positioned and how God sees us and how God feels about us. I'm going to give you a dangerous prayer. You ready? God's faithful to answer this prayer. A dangerous prayer is this. It's very short. Actually, just pray it. God, I pray that you would help me see myself and other people how you see me and others. 
And I pray that you would help me feel uh, about how you feel about me and how you feel about others. Amen. It's a five-second prayer. It counts. It's real. And if you stay with that in terms of, uh, uh, like, if you will pray that daily for this summer, I challenge you, pray that daily for the summer. By Labor Day, you're, you will begin to uh, have weird experiences because you'll start thinking about people that you weren't even intending to like, and then you, you'll have this emotion inside of you like, I don't want to necessarily be weeping over this particular person, but I'm feeling what God feels about them, and that's the word, and it's not about emotion, but there is an emotional component to our life, or my thoughts. Instead of having darkened thoughts, uh, depressing thoughts, um, negative thoughts, judgmental thoughts, fill in the blank, you start to think thoughts like God thoughts, like hope-filled thoughts, and, you, and someone comes to your mind, you're like, wow, that person has a great hope and a future. They have a great destiny, and God, I wonder what God is going to, and you're like, what is happening to me? Well, it's the work of grace that you're inviting into your life. And I, I would encourage you, it's, it's changed my life, and I've, I'm not going back, satisfied customer. So Jesus, he has a secure identity. In John 17, 4, this is one of the blowaways of Scripture. He's about to go to the cross, high priestly prayer, and he says this. He says, Father, I'm, I'm returning to you. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. Wouldn't it be amazing at the end of our lives to be able to stand before God and whatever unique calling and assignment that was given to us to be able to look at the king and say, you, 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 you're the one, you empowered me, it was your grace, but I have finished the work that you have given me to do. Jesus had that joy. I believe he wants our joy to be made full, and so we see it in the life of Jesus himself, this continuum of identity, calling, and assignment. Chrissy, come on back up. If we can pull up John 1, 14 and 16. I know we've been in the Gospel of John and uh, looking at encountering Jesus. Um, we want to stay there. John chapter 1 uh, says this, the Word, which is speaking of Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm jumping down to 16. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. When we are talking about this continuum of identity, calling, and assignment, we really want to emphasize these two uh, aspects of who Jesus is. Grace, number one, and truth, number two. Some teachers will teach it as grace before truth. I actually have found it relationally helpful when I'm bringing a hard truth to someone. could be to my wife. could be to one of my kids. could be to someone else to make sure that I've got grace going on before the truth is coming. And we all have our tendencies. Christy's an Enneagram 8, and so, you know, she's going to bring the zinger to you, uh, and it's going to be helpful. It's going to be fruitful. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. So, so many great things uh, about it, but we're, it's, it's, it's good for us to, 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 go to go in together. So we've got grace and truth. So what we want to do here at the outset is we want to speak grace and truth over you. And we want to do that in a, in a way, we want to speak to the women, and we want to speak to the men, and we want to do it in a way that might make you uncomfortable. And so we're going to ask you, uh, no one has to, when we lead life groups or churches, we say it this way, everyone is invited to participate, no one is forced to participate. So in just a moment, when I say, if you want to participate, please stand, I actually mean that. You can stand, 
or you can stay seated, but everyone is invited. I don't think it's going to be dangerous or scary. Uh, We're going to speak simple Bible truths over you from a heart of love and encouragement, and we're doing this to model what you can do in your home, uh, what you can do in your life group, and we're trusting God that through this, I mean, this is very 101 simple. We want to emphasize doing the simple things and doing the little things that reinforce the great truths um, of God. Uh, you have, Chris, yeah, you, one sec. You have, the, you have the opportunity when we do this to harden your heart. You can, harden, you can choose to harden your heart, and you can choose to say, not me. Maybe, maybe it's for Richard, but it's not for me. And you can even stand there, and so I'm, I'm just telling you, everyone in here, you have the freedom to harden your heart as we do this, or to open your heart and to say, okay, God, it is hard. Like, this is fine. It is hard for me to believe that truth about me. It's really hard for me to, <clears throat> to receive that. <clears throat> but if you would help me, I want to I say, I believe, help my unbelief in that, in, you know, these different areas. I wanted to encourage before we speak the identity statements over you, I was thinking if for those of you that are parents or um, have kids or you just are investing in kids, I remember when I, we were young parents and I think we just had Jaden, our youngest, and I was thinking like, oh no, what am I going to do when he um, gets made fun of? Like, what if he gets bullied in school? I'm sure all of you have had those, like, experiences, like, I don't want him to experience any pain. And then I remember Jordan and I started, like, talking, and I was like, you know what? I actually got made fun of a lot in junior high for some reason. Like, I don't know, people made fun of me, like, for weird things. Like, but, you know, junior high, they can be kind of not that nice. But I realized it didn't mark me. It's kind of like um, if you've read that book where the like dots didn't stick on because they kept on falling off and they didn't stick with me. Like I could have had major wounds because of things that people said. And when I, when Jordan and I were talking and reflecting on it, I realized that it's because my parents spoke this identity over me for like, and I don't even know, honestly, how intentional they were of doing it, but I recognized, like, I was very secure in who God made me to be and in the love of the Father, my heaven, the Heavenly Father, but my earthly Father, and it, that really helped me when these things came my way that weren't kind and weren't true, and so I just want to encourage you, like, there's power in the identity when we, I pray every day for our kids that they would be confident and secure men and women of God who know their identity from their earthly earthly father and heavenly father. Because I know that as we walk in that identity, it doesn't mean that obviously they're going to get made fun of. Like hard things are going to happen to all of us. But when we can have clarity in who God has made us to be and who we are as his child, it helps protect us and stand secure in those places. So just another encouragement for speaking the identity. Love it. Okay, so again, all women are now invited to stand if you would like to participate. Again, not scary. We're just going to speak the truth of God over you from a heart of love and encouragement, and we're going to bounce back and forth. I'll just hold the mic. Okay, Okay, women, you are remarkable in the way that God has designed you. You Oh, pause. If you are not participating 
feel free to agree with the truth over these women. You can say things like, yeehaw. You can, I don't know. Uh, you can, yeah, you can, your, your version of amen. There you go. Women, you are a delight to the Father. You are so unique in your perspectives and your abilities. You are one who displays beauty. You are an amazing nurturer. You are worth being pursued. Amen. Okay, you can take a seat. Not painless, not painful, I don't think. Hopefully, hopefully. Men, it's your turn. Stand on up, guys. Ladies, same thing. Feel free. Yeehaw, etc. Men, you are a man of strength and courage. You are a man of confidence and security. You are adequate for the task at hand. You are able to stand amidst pressure. You are an initiator with others. You are a defender of others. Amen. You can take a seat. Way to go, guys. Way to, way to go. Now, Christy, the beautiful thing about these exercises is, is it true that you have to, like when we did that, that you have to think those things are true or feel those things are true? Um, no. <laughs> the answer is no. No. <laughs> Say a little more about that answer of no. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I didn't know where we were going there. Um, yes, yeah, so we... <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> yes, yeah. Th- I think that that's part of the thing is that sometimes we're like, oh, but I don't feel like I am worthy to be pursued. But that doesn't actually make it true. Like, we don't have to base how the truth on our feelings. And that's kind of the problem with kind of how things are going sometimes t- today. And so receiving, that's why the word of God is so wonderful because you there's so much, I mean, it's all true. And so reading those truths over yourself is able to stand and ground you even when you aren't feeling these different things. Amen. Hey, Jay, I like you so much. Stay up here. Okay, okay very good. <laughs> Let's go, to, let's go to John chapter 1. Let's look at this and how Jesus did this in the lives uh, of another person. His name here is Peter, John 1, 42. Uh, Peter's brother, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, looking at Peter, and he said, You are, oh, I, lo- I, lo- I love it when Jesus says you are. You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. I want to look at a parallel text, similar story. Maybe it was the same story from Matthew's account. Matthew 16, 18, and 19, the reason I want to look at the parallel text is it also shows us the connection between our identity, the you are statement, and what I'm claiming is God's desire for us to have authority in the place of our calling and our assignment. Matthew 16, I tell you, Jesus speaking, you are Peter, and on this rock, so in the Greek, we don't have to get into it, but the word Petros, etc. It means like you have this big stone of Peter's confession of lordship, Jesus, your Lord, and I surrender to your lordship. My my interpretation of Matthew 16, but Peter, he's he's kind of this little pebble, but he's but it's substantial, it's real, even in the smallness. Jesus says, "I will build uh, on this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." Now here's here comes the authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That is authority. 
And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm not going to unpack the latter part of that. I just want to summarize it by saying Jesus is speaking authority, not necessarily even over who Peter was. We read the account of Peter and we're kind of like, I don't know, you know, like, is there hope? For, but the, the answer is yes, because Jesus transforms anybody, even an impetuous dude like Peter, who would betray Jesus in his hour of need. Jesus speaks into both who a person is, but also who they are going to become in the grace of God. That is how we identify grace on our lives. It's not because we're walking in the fullness of whatever, whatever the thing is, you know, we're, we're not there yet. He is so good. God is so good at seeing things in what I'm going to call seed form, calling them into being, and then he's a, he is the best developer. As we mature, most of us, we have areas of immaturity in our life that we don't like. I don't think God is like, golly, you know, Joe, I really wish you'd kind of pick up the pace a little bit. You know, I started this great work in your life a few years ago, and I kind of thought you'd be 75% finished. You're only at 46%. What a bummer. I am so disappointed. Like, that's not God. Rather, he, like, is a celebrator. He's like, man, Joe used to be here. Look, look, you're my son. You are bearing my image in the earth. Oh, and you're doing a wonderful job. I celebrate you. I rejoice over you. There's a great difference in how you live life and how you believe what is happening and what God is thinking and feeling about you in the maturing process. That's a good word. I like that right there. Okay. I forgot where we were. We're in John 1, uh, Matthew 16. There we are. Okay, here we go. So we got the connection, identity and authority. So here's what we're, we're going to do an exercise. I have this little note card deal. Christy has a hole punch, and she has all of these rings, ring, you know, binder rings. So what I do is I get a note card, I get a truth from God, and I write it on the note card. What I've done is I've written everything that a, a mentor in my life, I've summarized kind of the, what they've spoken to me, whether they're deceased or still alive, and I've put it on a card. And I've taken it as like, okay, they invested in me. This is actually not about me. This is part of their legacy through me. So I'm going to declare it over me, and I'm going to ask God to help me, because I probably can't, you know, I can't do any of this in my own strength, and neither can you. What I want you to do is I want you to think, okay, what is an identity statement that as I look back over my life, and as Christy and I were talking about this, there are general things that are true for a person that's in Christ that will take an eternity to search out. Here's one. So you start with I am, so I'd like you to actually get your phone out and type, or if you have a journal, you can write, I am, and then I want you to put a blank. I believe that most people cannot, on the spot, fill in that blank. I can't. I'm not very good thinker on my feet. Got to plan it out. So I'm able to have it today, but that's because I'm, I'm, I've been planful. If I was in your seat, wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm not anticipating that you're able to write it and write in the answer. What I do want to challenge you to do, however, is as we talk today, during ministry time, even over the course of this week, just be asking God, what is, like, what is a statement that is true about me that you want me to really get uh, in my head and in my heart? And I can just simply speak out, even if I don't think it's true, even if I don't feel that it's true, okay? So there are eternal truths. For example, I am forgiven by Jesus. That is going to take an of my sin. My rebellion against God has been forgiven by Jesus. 
Now, you say, bro, I didn't come here to get the 101. I'm so sorry. I'm giving you a 101. But that's going to take an eternity to search out. So there, there are Bible truths that are true of our identity. And then there are unique things when we look back at our life and we say, what was I doing when I wasn't trying to strive to get something or to prove something, but what did God seem to be doing through my life? And so the one that I have written down for me, I am, and then I put two things, a stabilizer and a releaser. And you might say, what a boring life. I would say, no, it's a very fun life. What that, what, what, what that means is there's grace on my life when I am around people with any type of instability, mental, emotional, relational, financial, as we spend time together over a period of time, when I look back over my life, I see stability coming into people's lives without effort. Meaning, okay, that is a way that God has chosen to move through my life. And I give him praise and then I give him openness. I give him permission to do that in and through my life. And then I'm a releaser. So let's say a person gets to stability. We've been church planting. You actually need people to stay in your church uh, to be able to do that. And they're like, hey, I, I'm thinking about going to do XYZ in, in another XYZ place. I'm like, praise the Lord, go do it. How can I get behind you? And so there, that's produced, ready for it? Conflict in our marriage over, 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 over the years, right? It's like, we're called to build the deal and you're sending people out of here. I'm like, no, 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 it's good. Like, God, there's, there, there's enough that no one belongs to us anyway. We bless them. Um, yeah, no, that, that would be another teaching for another time. So uh, stabilizer and releaser. Now, I'm going to interview Christy a little bit. So Christy, so that's me. And the challenge is I want you to be able to have your own little note card or your deal on your phone and that you can daily just take the thing out and you save the Lord. And you, you can use Thanksgiving. Thank you, God, that I, by the grace of God, I am a stabilizer and releaser. I, just, I receive that identity that you have given me. Now, it's not just for you, it's for others. By the way, I'm purposely spending a lot of our time on this first one to not say, it's all about this, and then just to move on to the ones that I personally actually would rather talk about. So this is my discipline. We're, we're staying, we're camping out here on the identity. So Christy, she's the primary person in my life that I want to strengthen her identity. I also want to encourage her in these two places, and I want to be watchful and prayerful over her life to be an encourager in terms of the order. So uh, I've, over the years, I've tried to do this. I've done it imperfectly, but I've tried to use your statements like this is how I see you and I submit to you that you are X, Y, Z. And then from that place, and this is our pivot into the calling and assignment, I've seen God start to drop ideas or thoughts about grace that might be on her life to do X, Y, Z. So one of those was I sense that, man, I, th I think that there's something about exhortation uh, on her life. And so I came to her one day. Um, I actually was in uh, Peru on our uh, uh, ADS outreach, and I felt like the Lord was like, man, you need to go encourage Christy in that place. I went back, and, and you said, do you remember? Uh, what is exhortation? She said, what is exhortation? It's a great answer. It's like, you know, there's, there, was, there was no no faking, right? And so we, we talked through, well, well, I think this is basically just kind of uh, being an encourager with some unction. That's how I think of exhortation. So, Chrissy, what was that process like for you related to that continuum? 
Well, like I said, I didn't know exactly what it was at first, so I had to kind of learn what it was. And then when Jordan would invite me to, okay, I feel like you have an exhortation for something, then I would have to walk out in it and just like trust like, okay, I'm going to do an encouragement here and like grow in that calling. And so not resist different times when I felt, when there felt a leading. And then I felt more like the, my own unction from the, or the Holy Spirit unctioning. Is that the right wording? Um, me to like give an exhortation in a different times so that it didn't just come from you telling me like, oh, I think you have an exhortation. So so there, so there was an activation, or just, we can say, she was putting it into practice. And what I've seen over the years, this is beautiful, we're going to bring up our, our John text. I've seen her grow in authority in these two places of her calling, and then wherever she is, she's open to God to be like, hey, if you want to connect me to XYZ deal, then I can take that on as an assignment from the Lord and do it with gladness and joy in my heart. So we're, we're almost finished. We're just going to do these two, uh, two texts on authority, one on faithfulness and little, and we are closing. So John 13, uh, this is Jesus' upper room. He says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, it's important to know where you're from and where you're going. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, this speaks of servanthood, he tied it around his waist. Now the context is this is where Jesus washes the feet uh, of the disciples. He leaves a model of servanthood uh, to them. True authority. Because again, I'm, I'm saying that walking in our identity, living it out, gives authority in our places of calling and assignment. And there are so many beautiful and wonderful different callings and assignments that are here present in the room. You want authority on that place, and I know how to get it. You get it through servanthood. True servanthood, I'm sorry, true authority will always express itself in servanthood. The opposite is also true. False authority will always demand its rights and demand that other people serve them. That should be quasi-convicting if you are a human being. Like, as, as, I, as I say that, I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy on me, <laughs> a sinner. <laughs> okay, so John 13, now let's do John 10, 18, same idea. Jesus, this is in the context, he's saying, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the gate for the sheep. He says this, no one takes it, speaking of his life, from me, but I lay it down. I lay down my life of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. Again, this charge I have received from my Father. It takes authority to live a life laid down. And so in your places of calling and assignment, if you want true spiritual authority, it will be expressed in lowliness. It will be expressed in doing things that other people do not want to do. It will be expressed in ways that are outside of the public eye that you may get no temporal reward for. Sign up. <laughs> but what will happen over the course of time, like I'm seeing in, in Christy's example here, is that your authority in those different places slowly but surely will increase as you labor in the secret place of prayer. No one's seeing you. You labor in some of the places on the serve teams that Joe was just describing. Not to try to get anything for your identity, but to say, man, I'm, I'm good. And therefore, I have authority 
to lay down my life. We want to close with one, uh, one idea, which is called being faithful in the little. The way that we grow in this order is not by jumping to, I'm now the global leader of whatever it is that I want to be or think that I want to be the global leader of or to have the great platform to do the great thing for God, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, that, that sure, that it can be an impulse, but the way of the kingdom, that's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom taught by Jesus, modeled by Jesus, is called faithful in the little, and I didn't write it down on my deal. Uh, it's, uh, Luke 16 is one of them, uh, one of the parables where Jesus is talking about um, uh, the dishonest manager. And he says, if, you're gonna, if you'll be faithful in a very little thing, you'll be faithful in a very large thing. If you're dishonest in a very little thing, you're also going to be dishonest in a very uh, large thing. So, Chrissy, move us, move us in. Okay, so just to close this out with the faithfulness in the little. So when you're thinking about your calling, you might be called, like one of the things that I feel called to is hospitality. And so hospitality, I might think like, oh, I can't be hospitable until I have the right house or the right uh, budget to be able to serve people food or the right um, environment. Like, I can't be hospitable until these things happen. But what if I start, if I'm called to hospitality and I just start with, like, my coworker and invite him over to my house and, like, give him a cup of cold water? Like, that is being faithful to the thing that God has called you to. And faithfulness grows. So it's like, it's not looking for, just like what Jordan said, the the big thing for you to feel like, oh, I have worth because I did this. But it's like, okay, God, what have you called me to? And what's one small little step that I can take in my calling to be faithful to that? So say like you're a writer and you really want to one day write a book, like you're called to be a writer, but you don't even like write a little paragraph to practice. Like that is how you grow in your faithfulness to whatever it is. And so trust God that as you faithfully sow into the things that he's calling you to, that he will, it's like God can't be mocked. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap from the spirit. And so trusting that as you sow into the things that God has called you to, he's the one that's going to grow it. He's going to develop it. Put yourself in the position where you can allow yourself to grow and see what God does in that faithfulness. Love it. Okay, let's respond to the Lord. If the band can come up, um, there's, there's a, about three different things that I want to say as we transition into a time of response. And same thing here with this time of response. You can stay seated. Uh, we'll have uh, some folks available to uh, pray with you. Uh, but the main thing is to respond in your heart to the Lord. This year, Christy and I really believe that this is a year, and we submit this, and we could be wrong. But we believe in different ways that this is a year uh, where lost things are going to be restored to people. So if you hear us this morning talking about identity and you feel, feel like that's kind of been lost or I feel like that I've been stolen from in that place, well, let's kickstart a process in our response time of asking God what to do about that. Like, God, how, how do you want to lead me in a place of restoration? 
we, we believe actually that this applies to many things. It could be things that have been stolen, physical stuff, things that have been lost, uh, over like fill in the blank. So I want to I want to put put that out there. Would lo- I would personally love to pray with you if you're in that uh, category. Number two, as we were praying for this morning. Uh, we felt like there might be at least one person here that doubts whether they can hear from God. And just since a megaphone of saying, whether it's related to this deal, something you just read in the Bible, or something else, like, man, I doubt whether I can hear from God. If that's you, we would encourage you uh, to receive prayer today and just receive encouragement that you can absolutely hear from the Lord. And then uh, finally, as the band leads us here, if there's any place of saying, man, I, I think that, like, like I described in my life, where this was out of order, and you, you're like, I need to know how to order that, but I don't know where to begin. That would be a great place as well to respond to the Lord this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand and just say a brief prayer. If you're an overseer, prayer team person uh, that would normally come forward, if you can make your way forward to pray with folks. Father, we pray and we, with thanksgiving this morning, we just uh, together say that you are good. Your design uh, of life is good. We thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Oh, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. And Lord, now we pray, would you administer uh, your mercy? Would you administer your kindness? Would you administer your healing? Uh, two different hearts in the room uh, this morning in ways that you desire that bring you attention, bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.